because I like to say, I like to bring the heart back into business. What's up? It's Katie Kremitzos. Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. This podcast is here so that you have easy access to education, strategies, and an entire community of fellow women entrepreneurs who are just as ambitious and high performing as you are. I believe that our businesses are vehicles that we get to use powerfully to design lives that are purposeful and profitable. But guess what? That journey is not a straight line, which is why this podcast and the entire Biz Women Rock community exists, because this is where you're going to find how to continue dealing with and showing up for all of those ups and downs along your journey. So welcome. I am so honored that you are here. If you haven't already, I invite you to come join our free private Facebook group, bizwomenrock.com forward slash group. In there, you're going to find thousands of other high-performing women entrepreneurs just like you who are passionate about continuing their business journeys purposefully. So come on and join us. I look forward to getting to know you there. Process improvement, productivity, project management. You would think With a company that offers these services to corporate clients, words like mindfulness and vision wouldn't necessarily be a part of the conversation, but you would be wrong. Adriana Girdler created the MVP approach. It stands for Mindfulness, Vision, and Productivity, because she noticed that in order to help her clients achieve their goals, she needed to incorporate more of these quote-unquote soft concepts and practices. But believe me, they are not soft at all. As a matter of fact, Adriana and I have an impassioned conversation about how vital getting clear on our vision, who we are, what we're here to do, who we serve, etc., is to true business success and how quickly things can unfold when you do the work to answer these questions. During this conversation, we talk about the idea of a visual vision and why it's so powerful. We also discuss the difference between your mission and your vision. Adriana shares the habit she's cultivated over the years that allows her to stay in tune with her own purpose and vision. Finally, she touches upon how she walks the walk with her own team and what her next steps are for her own vision. Adriana is a breath of fresh air in the space of productivity and process improvement, and I can't wait for you to listen to today's episode. Adriana, what's going on, girl? How are you? I'm good, Katie. How are you? I'm so excited to see you. (laughs) (laughs) I am too. (laughs) Uh, For those of you who can't see us, and you can because you're listening to this podcast, uh, I'm coming live from the closet of the Airbnb that I'm staying at in California, which is going to make this the best interview I've ever had. I can feel it. (laughs) I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. I know you are a very, very busy woman. And when I got introduced to you via Rania, our fabulous PR lady, 
she just had so many great things to say about you. And it took me all of about one sentence into her description to have me say, yes, I would love to have her on my show. Bring her on. (laughs) So you own Cornerstone Dynamics. And when I go to your website and I'm looking at like, oh, what does Cornerstone Dynamics do? Business productivity specialists. And I look at services and it's all about process improvement and efficiencies and project management and facilitation. It surprises me that what we are ultimately going to talk about is mindfulness and visioning and productivity done in a way that I consider very purposeful rather than strategic step-by-step in that manner. And so what I would love to start out with is how in the world, we're going to get into what MVP is all about, which is this mindfulness, visioning, and, and productivity. But how in the world did you feel about inserting that in MVP this whole message that you're really bringing out into the business world, how did you feel about inserting that into something like process improvement and productivity that seems so black and white and step-by-step? You know what? It's a good question. And I think if you're uh, looking at it from the outside, you're perplexed, but it's actually the most perfect fit in the whole wide world, which I will explain why that is the case. When I first started the company, I was all about productivity. And today I'm now talking about this MVP approach, which is mindfulness, visioning and productivity because it's been an evolution. It hasn't been sort of like from day one, this is how it's been. It's seeing how things are unfolding, understanding what the client's needs are. I'm a big person in seeing patterns and, and seeing how we need to make those improvements. I'm all about continuous improvement. So just over the years, it's really developed into this. That's also myself too. I'm a woman at a point in time where I'm not fresh at this anymore. I've been doing this for a while. I'm seeing more and more that this is the direction that most organizations need to go to because I like to say, I like to bring the heart back into business. And there was a point in time where it was all about the intellectual and not thinking about the people. And all the work I do actually is all about collaboration. And that's what distinguishes me a lot from other productivity type companies is I will never come in and tell you what to do. I will always work with your people and collaboratively we'll do what we need to do. So it was such a beautiful fit to then think about visioning and mindfulness and connect it to my business of productivity. So I'm interested to know how you first came about to really feeling like, okay, we're working on productivity, but how did you first start integrating some of these practices in the work that you were doing with your clients? So it's interesting because when you think of MVP, work backwards from that. Because when I first started, I focused solely on productivity. And the beauty is I'm in every industry. So I'm not just in an industry like one and therefore you, oh, this will only work in uh, manufacturing, or this will only work in pharmaceuticals, or this will only work in tech. I do every single industry because guess what? A process is a process is a process. It's all internal ways of working and productivity. There's common themes and threads. So when people tell me they're unique, I'm like, you're not <laughs> actually. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you're not. Yeah, what you do sell, create is unique but how you do it is not unique. And so that's the beauty of what I do. So as I said, it was the working backwards. So I started off with productivity and I'm always looking for improvement. And as things progressed in my company, I realized at the heart of everything was a lack of vision, a lack of vision. Like what does a company want to do there? They're just jumping around and there's all this silo mentality and people weren't connected. So I developed this whole visual visioning, which went to a whole new level of going more in depth, connecting people with art, 
having these representations and using it like a tool, not just an activity that you file away, but to actually bring it into the folds, which will allow for the productivity. And as of late, I've always been a meditator, but as of late, I actually finished up some education with the University of Toronto around mindfulness. I'm actually looking to potentially get my MBSR through University of Massachusetts with the John Kabat-Zinn Group, the Mindfulness Center. And I realize as time progressed that it's all about the people. And if I can't, or, or we can't connect with the people and get them to be stress-free and through that whole collaboration, then mindfulness is, is a technique in order to help with that. And that's kind of how this whole MVP kind of developed. It was this progression of productivity knowing that in order to be better, you had to do visioning. And then in order to even be better with visioning and productivity, you had to start connecting with the people with mindfulness and giving them the skills that they need to be successful. I love that. Um, I want to dive in a little deeper into the visual visioning that you talked about. I watched your TEDx video, which I highly recommend you listening go watch. And I've put a link to it in the show notes for this episode. It's really fascinating because the idea of vision boards and make sure that you're getting clear on what your vision is for your business. Like it's kind of, I mean, we all know it, (laughs) but it's, it's different when you're actually practicing it out. And what you showed was really unique in the space of like, it was just so much more. It was like actually creating your mission statement and having it be one and in line with this vision that you have for what your purpose really is. And it was more than that. It was actually a visual thing. It was actually art. It was, there was actually color in it. And it's so interesting to me that that was an interesting differentiator. You know what I mean? It's like, cause I'm such a writer. So my natural thing is like, Oh, let me just write it all out. Like I am not the artist. I don't ever, you know, like to pretend that I'm an artist. So that's not my normal thing to draw stuff out, but what a difference it made to see oh, yeah. as I watched your slides develop from words to a visual graphic, a visual representation of your vision, it made a big difference. So what have you seen? Like, what is that big differentiator between just like write your vision statement to actually creating a visual vision? I think that for me, the biggest differentiator statement, there's, there's probably two. There's a physicality of it from words into an actual imagery that represents something because, you know, there's a, a, there, a picture's worth a thousand words. So just one image can have a story behind it. So that's a big distinguishing factor. But I think the other distinguishing factor, which is really huge, is traditional vision statements, whether personally or professionally, are very external and they're about this elevator speech and they're very high level. And if you ask anyone to define it, they would come up with 20, 30, 40 different definitions, which contributes to the whole silo mentality we see in organizations, also contributes to a lack of direction if someone were to do that on an individual basis. A visual vision, you have to be honest with yourself. You have to go inward. you got to ask some hard questions. Who am I? What do I want? And then you go through that process of the exercises of figuring that out. And that's the big difference. And I think, as I say in the TEDx, there's a lot of this white noise in, in our life, and particularly now more so with all of the social media and, and how quick we are with technology and this instantaneousness that has happened that we've forgotten to look inward and really honor who we are because every single one of us is this light, is this spirit that has... We're all perfect. We're all amazing. And it's unfortunate when people don't believe it. And our uniqueness is just that, unique to us. And to embrace that is absolutely amazing. And so with doing a visual visioning that really connects to that, you start living in the moment. You start living your purpose. You start living your passion. And that is powerful. I I can't tell you how powerful it is because all of a sudden these doors of opportunity start to open 
and even connecting companies to that because too many companies are like, oh, checklist, chick, chick, guess what? I did that. I, I spent a, you know a, a half day getting that done and I filed it away in a binder and I put it away. And then they wonder why people aren't connected to who they are and what they do. So it's, it's going inward, looking hard. Who are you? What are your values? What are you all about? And uh, sticking to them. I just, as of this moment, actually, as of today, the day that we are recording, it's the very end of February. And I just released a podcast episode that was celebrating my four-year anniversary for Biz Women Rock. And I shared four lessons that I've learned over these past four years, which is four years ago is when I launched the very first show. And thank you very much. And by the time you're listening to this, you will hear this concept inserted in a lot more of what I do. But one of those big lessons that encapsulates exactly what you just said is this concept of you be you. And it is ultimately what I have seen. I have been an entrepreneur for almost 10 years now as well. I know you're celebrating your 10-year anniversary here, four of those being in Biz Women Rock. And I finally really pinpointed that there's this thing called, if we all take the time to ask ourselves those questions and to go inward and to stay in tune with our intuition and who we are and and who we best serve and knowing how to finagle this journey, right? Because it's constantly moving. It's we're constantly evolving. We're constantly needing to pivot. But if we stay in tune with who we are, what our gifts are, then all of those questions of like, what marketing strategy should I do? What should my next actions be? How am I going to implement this goal? Like, or how am I going to achieve this goal? How am I going to implement this strategy? Like all of that stuff becomes ridiculously easy <laughs> to, to figure out. And fast. And I think that's what people yes. realize is when you're connected to your purpose and your passion, things unfold quickly. I can't tell you, like even starting of my company, It happened really quickly. I just knew in my heart of hearts, this is what it was. Every major decision I made has always gone back to my corporate visual vision statement and my personal vision statement. And when I truly connected with it, it unfolded. It was like someone literally going, here's a magic doorway. Oh my goodness, it's open for you. Walk on through. And I had no fear because guess what? I did all the hard work first. Well, that's what I want to ask you about because this quote unquote hard work is answering those questions. Uh, Yes. Why do people avoid it? And I'm I'm asking this question knowing that I avoid it too. And we all do like, and I consider myself to be somebody who's really very introspective. I've always been very introspective and I still will come up with every excuse in the book not to have to really do that work. I might tiptoe around it and, you know, like, but, but it becomes so painful for me not to answer those questions that I finally have to go answer those questions. And sometimes answering those questions and getting that clarity is a little painful just because it's like, I'm trying to like pull it out of me. Why do people avoid this in your experience with all of the clients that you've worked with in your own experience? Like, why do we avoid this when this, this coming home to UBU, or in your language of really that mindfulness and that visioning, like answering those questions is really the key to all of this. Why do we avoid it? From my experience, I see two things. And the first one, as I said earlier on, I think we're so caught up in the flow of the white noise 
that we're all in this, oh my God, I got to get it done quick, 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 boom, boom, boom. And they don't have the time for, oh, that's not important. I already did that. I checked that off. So I think there's part of that. We're just kind of in that flow and, oh, that's going to take too long. I have to find something that's faster, quicker. It's going to give me an answer that I want. It was quite funny because I had somebody who was asking me for some advice on visioning and they were going to be doing this workshop for somebody. And she was like asking me for some information. And it was quite interesting because she said, oh yeah, they have a lot of problems and here's how I'm going to structure it. I'm going to go through everything and we're going to figure out what their goals and strategies are. And then I'm going to get the vision. I was like, why are you doing that? Oh, because it's easier. I'm like, but wait a minute. You're, the vision you're going to get, your bar is like set really low now because you just put 20,000 excuses as to why they can't achieve things versus spending the time because it's harder and you have to spend more time with it and you've got to really vet it out as to what do you really, really want? Do you want to be like JFK and get a man to the moon and back by the end of the decade? Believe you me, that's a freaking hard vision. <laughs> it's amazing. Or for example, if JFK were to take the opposite approach, there's no way he would have said, I'm going to send a man to the moon and back. That's so, so interesting. I, I really feel it's that. It's this instantaneous, I want it to be easy. And I think that's part and parcel of our culture and our society of wanting everything really, really easy and wanting it now. So there's that. And I think underneath it all is fear. Truly fear. We're fearful to go deep because my heart of hearts, what if something pops up that I'm not ready to deal with yet? And that's okay. I always say to people, you have, there's three ways to answer a question or a concept or whatever. Yes, no. And I realize I have to deal with that, but I'm not ready to do it just yet. <laughs> because like you, don't, you don't know, right? And sometimes you're not ready to deal with it yet. And that's okay. But I, I would say fear for sure. Because then, then you got to be honest with yourself. And sometimes being honest with yourself, if you haven't been honest with yourself in a long time, can be really scary because you may shake things up. But fear as is we make it up in our own heads. And whenever we do get past fear, we realize, oh my goodness, that wasn't hard at all. Mm -hmm. That wasn't hard at all. Yeah. I want to, that point of one of the fears is that you can shake things up. And by the way, that could be you. If things are going really well for you right now, and you've got this nagging thing going on in the back of your head and you're like, oh, I know I need to follow this. And it's terrifying because that's going to completely change everything that I'm doing and the quote unquote success that I'm having. And if we are living sort of in our zone of excellence, for example, according to Gay Hendricks, and then we are just not satisfied and we realize, oh, this thing over here is really my zone of genius. And that means that the zone of excellence business gets completely dismantled, or at least there's a potential for that. That's terrifying. Oh my goodness. Like even with this whole MVP approach that I'm now introducing and looking at in the company, I was struggling. Like, do I talk about mindfulness? Like, you know, I'm dealing with senior executives, presidents, VPs. We talk ROI. It's all about the money and the bottom line and absolutely fine. Nothing wrong with that. That's the business growth. I get it. I have no problem with it. But visioning, they can relate with, oh, Adriana, you want me to go more in depth? Okay, I can talk with them. But now you want to bring in this mindfulness? What? You want to bring in mindfulness? What? You want me to meditate? What? How is that? So, you know, there was a little bit of fear. Will people think that I'm crazy? Should I do it? Is it going to impact my business? But you know what? In my heart of hearts, I know this is what I have to do. I know this kind of combination, this holistic approach is part of my purpose. And yeah, it takes a lot of courage to go, no matter what, this is what I'm going to do because I know my heart and heart, it's the right thing to do no matter what. And that's okay if I lose some clients because guess what? I'm going to gain tons more. <laughs> yeah, that's always, that's, I'm not going to lose clients either. Yeah. Right? 
No, that's always it too. Of like, people ask me all the time, like, how did you combat fear? And one of the practical, but maybe more morose answers that I give is like, let that fear completely play out in your head. Like really go there, like go to the worst possible scenario that could possibly happen if that exact thing that you fear comes true. And if you go there, like every time that I have gone there, and this is advice I still continue to have to take myself, which is like, if I continue to let myself go there, it's actually not that bad. Like it's actually like, okay, I could, I could deal with that. Right. But like, unless you let yourself go there, it's still, it's vague and it's scary because you don't know exactly what it is or how you might deal with that. Yeah. And fear is usually the worst case scenario anyway. You know how many other options there are between the best case scenario and the worst case scenario. And the trick is, is to start teaching yourself how to look at it all. Yeah. So you go, ah, you know what? That's just that. That's worst case. Okay. Here's best case. What are some other options? And then you start to realize, wait a minute, I am the creator of my destiny here. Why am I disempowering myself and giving it away when I have complete control over it? And if you take a look at it, well, then guess what? You do things in a different manner. I'm just not with the MVP approach. I really, I got training. I have everything done in a way so that it can be palatable to my clients who aren't used to thinking in this manner that's great. And it's going to open it up for them. But that took me time, energy, and effort to go through. And I thought of the different options. It's So I'm really curious to know how you continue, what practices do you have to help you continue practicing what you preach for yourself? Like how do you continue showing up and making sure that you're constantly in line with what you're doing? How do you continue making sure that you're listening to your voice, to that whisper in your head so that you know sort of what this, the next moves are or anytime that you're experiencing maybe dissonance in what's happening in your company or anything like that out there? What kind of practices do you have that help you keep in touch with yourself? I have a couple and they all are intertwined and they all support each other. So the first thing I I do is I get up early and I meditate every morning. It just grounds me and it allows me to not be swept away by the chatter in our heads, which if we were to actually take that chatter and Michael Singer, who does The Untethered Soul, I highly recommend the book. He talks about this and does a great job explaining it. But if you're to take the chatter in your head, which tells you all the stupid stuff, right? Oh, you can't do it, blah, blah, blah. And you're actually to put it beside you and you look at it like a person, like a friend, you'd look at that chatter and you go, you're nuts. And yet we listen to that chatter all the time. So what I love about meditation is it calms it down, allows me to be grounded and be in the present moment, which is really critical because I don't get swept up in the waves of that chatter. I don't get swept up in the waves of things going on. I allow it to flow through. Really important. I have a personal visual vision and a company visual vision that I look at every day, every day. And I look at it and I talk about my gratitude wow, look at this. I've accomplished this. I've done that. How wonderful is that? And I'm a big believer in gratitude. So actually on my office door heading out is we actually have a gratitude board. So at the end of the day, you write down at least one gratitude. So it just puts you in a different frame of mind. And just throughout the day, it's really coming from integrity and being honest and really being attuned to what's around me. That's what I always put my attention on so that I get this groundingness happening because that makes me a better consultant and better to help my clients when I'm in that proper space. Yeah. I love that. How big is your team right now? How many of you does it take to service your clientele? 
I have four of us who are constantly here. I have lots of other external contractors that I bring on depending on the project. But it's interesting because I think this is what distinguishes my uh, productivity company than other productivity companies. We are very collaborative. So when we are doing projects, like I have a couple clients right now, the teams are like 20 people, but they're not cornerstone dynamics. They're the clients, right? Because if you're going to do any improvement process or anything of that nature, guess what? It's not me telling the people. It's the people telling me and me giving them guidance, right? In order to help them through. So we act as a support mechanism. We act as guidance and we guide them on their journey of where they want to go. And based on that guidance, they do all the heavy lifting. We'll help them with it as well, depending on what's needed. And it's a very collaborative affair. So it's really dependent upon the project. It's dependent upon what it is that they want to do. But yeah, it's worked so far. I love it. 10 years and going. <laughs> How do you instill this type of an MVP culture into your own team? Like what sort of things do you do as practices or regular ways of being or acting or interacting with each other, processes of, within your own company that really live this out? Well, we practice what we preach. I'm a big believer. You just can't talk the talk. You have to walk the talk. I think that's really important because people sense when you don't practice what you preach. I remember when I used to work for organizations and I'd always look at the uh, senior executive leaders and I'd be like, man, they just, they're just talking this. Like they're, they're, you can tell they're not walking it. And then therefore you can see the trickle down effect. I bought into productivity a very long time ago and uh, I see the benefits. I mean, I live it, I breathe it. We live it and breathe it here at Cornerstone too. Like my house is all you know, productivity was on, when I was on that leave, my husband couldn't wait for me to go back to work. Because <laughs> he'd come home and everything would be changed because I would, oh, the flow's not working anymore. I'm changing. <laughs> and he goes, Adriana, I love you, but I cannot wait until you go back to work. <laughs> I just want to know where things are. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, you have to practice what you preach. So for us, it's quite funny because we talk about this all the time within like my, me and my team, how we just assume people are like the way we are. And then we get these hits all the time. Like, Oh no, we really are different. (laughs) (laughs) Uh I mean, you know, we have process books, we have, we do five S we, you know, we have CSD days where we ensure that we're always connected. There's flexibility. I trust my team completely. I introduce mindfulness to them, but I also give them choice, which I think is really important. So I, I may go to one level, which tends to be more on the more extreme level. Cause like, you know, when I jump into something, I jump in two feet in the deep end when I particularly love it, but there's this respect, there's this, you know, they do an amazing job and they're constantly learning. I'm impressed like with this whole new YouTube channel I have. My goodness, we're all learning and they're just jumping in two feet and already we're putting checklists together. And (laughs) I'm telling you, we're going to be this pro. And that's what, that's what happens because we practice, we practice what we preach. I'm so glad that you mentioned the YouTube channel because I was just about to ask you like, where's your vision now? Like kind of what is that next thing that you're really excited about and how does that really look to you? And what does that mean for your purpose, your mission here? Well, what's really lovely is the Cornerstone Dynamics vision statement has been around for 10 years. It has never changed, yet the details of it have always progressed. So what I like to, because here's uh, here's something that people always ask me, what's the difference between mission and vision? And there's a huge difference, by the way. So the vision is your long-term, how you see the company and the ideal scenario. How do you want to see yourself, the company, who, whatever it may be? And let's say 10, 15, even 20 years down the road. And then the missions are these very short-term, let's say one, two, three years max of how you're going to achieve your vision. So a really good example, going back to JFK, JFK's vision was to put a man on the moon. 
When he made that decision, nobody was on the moon. That's a pretty big vision. In fact, that's what I say. I say, reach for the stars and beyond. Because if you don't reach high enough, you just may reach it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you actually want to go beyond that because you'll be amazed at what you can accomplish. But if you think of all the missions that NASA did in order to get the man on the moon, they had to build off of each other. And there were all these stepping stones in order to ultimately get to the vision. And that's exactly the difference with a mission. A mission statement should be your small term stepping stones to ultimately get you to your vision. And so for Cornerstone, the vision has always remained the same. And part of that is to be a global thought leadership. And that's why we're doing the YouTube channel. And so when I think of my journey, when I first started off, I didn't have media presidents. I didn't do anything. And now here I am. When I look at day one and where I am, all the stepping stones I've taken, all my mini missions to get me where I am today and then to where I'm going to be, who knows, five years from now, a year from now, whatever that may be. So it's this whole journey that has occurred. I love it. I love it. Adriana, this has been such an awesome conversation. And I just think I really appreciate you sharing the embodiment of what I consider to be a holistic business model, like something that is so equally very strategic and just in in the nature of the type of work that you do. Super strategic, step-by-step, everything's great, sounds very corporate. And then this beautiful essence of just really a soul-fulfilling, purpose-driven, meaningful, you know, information that really are both sides of the coin that really need to happen in order to make uh, a really successful and most importantly, enjoyable business journey. And I just really want to thank you so much for not only bringing this whole MVP message out to the world and actually doing it and being it and embodying it, but just for being here and sharing this whole concept and, and allowing people to be able to see what it actually is. So thank you so much. Katie, thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be on your podcast. I'm excited to hear what people have to say when they hear it, because it is, it's powerful. And for those that I've introduced it to, they're going, wow, like this is a shift. This is not the same old, same old. And that's what I get excited about. Because you know what? Every single one of us have the power to make a shift. And we can be connected at work. And we can have positive, fulfilling lives at work. You don't have to hit your head against the wall. There's no reason for it. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. I never take it for granted that you, a very busy and high-performing woman entrepreneur, listens to the Biz Women Rock podcast. If you got any value out of today's show, if there were any aha moments that you had... I would so appreciate you turning around and sharing it with another woman entrepreneur who needs that aha as well. From me and the entire Biz Women Rock team, we'll see you on the next episode.